Welcome to the Legacy Investment Team Podcast, Episode 4. Knowing and understanding what you're investing in, you know, what is it that I'm getting into? Now that's going to involve then, well, then what does that mean from a tax perspective? You know, what does this mean, you know, this year? What does this mean, you know, in future years? Hey guys, uh, excited to bring you guys some new content today. We're going to be talking about uh, how to handle uh, the capital gains and returns that you get from investing in real estate and mostly taxes related to real estate. As we hit January, it's starting to be tax time and there's a lot of questions around how do I avoid some of those capital gains or how do I take some returns from last year? and invest them wisely this year. And so I'm excited to say that we have Scott Feltz from Blankenship CPA joining us to help answer some of those questions for us. So uh, Scott, I appreciate you jumping on and uh, sharing some of your knowledge. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, first of all, just to get to know you, I know your wife a little bit, Adrian, but uh, tell us a little bit about your background, like where you're from, uh, family and kids, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I am uh, actually one of the uh, those Nashville natives, uh, that unicorn, uh, as so many transplants are coming into the area. Uh, so was born in Nashville, uh, grew up here till I was about 10, and then my family relocated to Knoxville. Uh, so spent the uh, uh, second half of growing up over there, went to the University of Tennessee, uh, got a degree in exercise science. I was a certified athletic trainer, worked with athletes, uh, loved all that. Uh, that uh, delivered me into full-time ministry with Athletes in Action, uh, the sport ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, that took me to uh, Ohio and then to Germany, uh, where I met my wife, Adrian. Uh, and we happened to be over there uh, kind of on uh, doing two different things, but working out of the same office. Uh, ended up... Uh, hitting it off. And uh, so I proposed, we came back to where she's from in Ohio. Uh, so the Columbus area got married, uh, spent a few years there trying to figure out uh, what were the next things. Uh, and that led me to uh, doing taxes. And actually Adrian told me I really needed to pursue taxes as I was doing our own tax return on our kitchen table, spread out with all the forms, doing minister's housing allowance, foreign earned income deductions and a couple other things. And she's like, nobody does this. Like you need to do this for a living. <laughs> like, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, I've got four kids, uh, 14, uh, 11 and a pair of nine-year-olds. That's awesome, man. You covered a lot of ground there. I, I had no idea that you and Adrian met in Germany. That's so interesting. Yeah. So she's from Ohio. You're from Tennessee, but you meet in Germany and then come back to Ohio. I know. Right. So I had to go all the way overseas to meet an Ohio girl. <laughs> you had to go to Germany to meet an Ohio girl. But uh, hey, that sometimes God takes a you know it's a long way around for us to find the person we need to meet. Absolutely. So Blankenship, just to focus on there, a Middle Tennessee kind of organization based out of I think mostly Nashville and Brentwood. But just looking at your guys' site, you guys have offices in Brentwood, Columbia, Dixon, Goodlettsville, Mount Juliet, Murfreesboro, Nashville. And Barry Hill, is that correct? Uh, yeah, you kind of hit them all. 
I also love, I know I've talked to you a little bit before about kind of the structure there about how you guys really lean into almost a, a partnership model where you're helping each other. So it's, it's yeah. I, tax law is pretty complicated. And so if there's something that you is an expertise for somebody else in, in the organization, you can kind of lean in there and help and have your areas of expertise that really bring a client uh, more than just a single person, but they've got uh, a whole team of people that can help them for their specific needs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had a great conversation in the hall with a guy this morning where we collaborated on, you know, some thoughts around, you know, a client and, you know, that's just something that I didn't have when I was a, you know, solo practitioner. And, you know, that's really what I was looking for. Just kicking us off is uh, our audience mostly is uh, potential investors looking at maybe they haven't invested in real estate before, or they're just starting to invest in real estate. What are some just foundational things that you're you would recommend for them to keep in mind when it comes to the tax side of thinking about either getting started in investing in real estate or if they've been investing in real estate, some of those main things that they need to remember. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, and without even you know the tax question, knowing and understanding what you're investing in, you know, what is it that I'm getting into? Now that's going to involve then, well, then what does that mean from a tax perspective? You know, what does this mean? you know, this year, what does this mean, you know, in future years? Um, am I active uh, enough in the business that I can uh, consider this active uh, income? Or is this a passive investment, which most of the time, you know, real estate investing uh, is passive in nature. And so you get passive treatment, which means that some of your uh, losses could be limited. Uh, passive activity loss rules uh, can apply. And so, you know, the the activity may have some, you know, tremendous losses, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get to take advantage of them uh, all in the year that they happen. Uh, now, those losses are typically never lost uh, for good. They just get carried over into future years when uh, you have other passive income that would offset those carried over losses, or you hold those until uh, disposal of uh, the investment. And at that time, when you dispose of a passive investment, all of those uh, stored up losses would uh, free up and uh, and kick out at that time. Uh, but there are some other things, you know, if we're looking at, uh, again, we're, you know, getting into real property uh, that is subject to depreciation. And we always want to make sure that depreciation is being uh, calculated and taken because uh, at the end of the day, when we go to dispose of any activity, the IRS position is uh, that it wants to look at any depreciation uh, that was uh, taken or was available to have been taken. So the IRS is going to calculate your basis, uh, regardless of if you took that depreciation or not, they're going to assume that you did, uh, because you should have. And if you didn't, then you're going to end up leaving uh, a lot on the table. And so that's something to just be aware of. Well, what does that mean? What is depreciation? Well, depreciation is you've got a uh, a fixed asset. Uh, generally, the IRS would classify anything uh, greater than you know a single expenditure of twenty five hundred dollars as a fixed asset. Now, in real estate, you know, obviously a house, uh, a piece of land, uh, those are going to be you know more. Uh, but then we also look at some other things. So if we're buying uh, property, well, land does not depreciate. Uh, that is something that you know is worthwhile knowing. You know the you know the dirt doesn't go bad. 
Uh, it doesn't, you know, go anywhere as long as, you know, as long as you own it, that, you know, that piece of dirt, it may increase and decrease in value based on the activity around it. But that piece of dirt itself, uh, it doesn't go away. Uh, you're always going to be able to, you know, if you own you know, a piece of land, you always own that piece of land. But it's the structure that you may erect on top of it or that you're purchasing uh, that does have a limited life. You know, if you do nothing else to it, it'll eventually decay and fall down and you're just left with uh, the land that it was standing on. It's not one size fits all. Every conversation is going to be a little bit different. And, you know, your your CPA or your advisor needs to be asking a lot of questions uh, to get to, you know, behind what is the intent of what you're doing? What are you hoping to accomplish? You know, if you're wanting to buy this and hold it forever and one day, you know, it's going to pass on to your children. All right. Well, we would do something very different with that than we would if, you know, say your intention is I'm going to unload this in three years. Right. Um, when we think about that as a benefit of really real estate investing, there are a lot of different tactics to, to take with depreciation. And it's and it's an important part of a benefit of a real estate investment that you can um, look at that depreciation to reduce income that you have in other areas. And so we, sometimes we look at like cost segregation studies on properties yeah. that can help us uh, accelerate depreciation on some of the assets in the property that aren't a uh, part of the real estate as a whole. So in the multifamily side, we might be looking at, you know, if we have a hundred units, we may be looking at some of the contents of those units that we can do a cost segregation study and get some benefits of accelerated depreciation for our investors, which means as an investor that you're getting the advantage of taking that depreciation and Correct me if I'm wrong here, Scott, but I know you made that delineation between an active and a passive investor. But when it comes to depreciation, both sides get to take advantage of a depreciation on a property, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a that's a, an important part to I, I love how you kind of put it, figure out how that fits in your unique tax advantage uh, tax situation, because you could have two investors on the same property. And they both get the same depreciation as far as their stake in the overall depreciation. But for one investor, it may make sense for them to pay the taxes today yep. because of uh, income they have in other areas. And for another one, it may make sense for them to go ahead and take the depreciation now. So let's talk about, uh, you, you brought up the 1031. And I know there are a lot of investors that have a lot of questions there when it comes to a real estate investor that maybe has invested and they have capital gains from a property that they've already gotten. Um, and then how how can they best use either a 1031 or maybe there's another mechanism to uh, to shelter that if they're especially rolling that into a new property. So they're investing in a new property. What are the things that you recommend that investors pay attention to as they're considering that option? Uh, no, you're going to do it uh, beforehand. Uh, because part of you know part of what trips you know some folks up is they haven't started the process early enough. Uh, you've got to uh, be identifying uh, the properties that you're wanting to exchange for uh, early in the process. Uh, you're not able to sell a property and then decide to do a 1031 exchange. You need to decide you're going to do a 1031 exchange and then engage in the process of uh, selling a property. Uh, and then there are, you know, several windows, uh, uh, there's 45 days, there's 90 days there's six months, all of those have different, you know, apply to different things. And each and every one of those has to, you know, be 
you know, specifically, you know, nailed at a certain you know period in time. Uh, the, the investor can never receive the funds. There has to be an intermediary uh, involved that receives those funds and places them in escrow, uh, and then eventually then releases them to you know the uh, to the new property transaction. I've had a number of times someone sold a property and then afterwards asked, "Hey, can I do a 1031?" No, you know, if you didn't think about it beforehand, if you didn't start that process before you engaged in, you know, selling, or especially if you've sold it, well, it's done. You know, we can't go back and unwind that. Right. And so uh, if we think about for this group, we're going to have some people in this group that are on that passive investor side. You know, maybe they've used a syndication model or maybe they're in a, a joint partnership on a property and they're not making the sale decision. Um, yeah. you know, they've been involved in that, but they know that it's coming and they are going to have capital gains from that property. What I hear you saying is, as you know, that property is about to sell, it's time to start looking yep. and start uh, looking at the 1031 exchange, how you can complete the documents and then start uh, looking for what's the next property you're going to put that into. Exactly. So that that could be another syndication, correct? Or another property that they're going to buy. There's lots of yeah. options there for them, but they kind of need to have that plan before they get started. You got to have the plan before you get started. And if you know a sale is coming, then uh, then yeah, you definitely need to make sure you've, you know, there's no harm in identifying. And really there's no, um, I, there's not really a limit on how many properties you can identify. Um now, realistically, are you, you know, you do have to be very specific in what you are identifying. Um, and then like kind does mean like kind, and they've really tightened the screws on like kind. So if you're doing a multifamily, uh, you're pretty much only going to be able to engage in another multifamily. If you're going to, you know, if it's single family, it's single family. If it's uh, if it's residential, it's residential, commercial, commercial. Um, you know, there used to be a little bit more uh, freedom in those areas, and the IRS has continued to tighten and tighten and tighten the screws on uh, what qualifies in that uh, 1031 exchange space. You know, it, even if you're talking about, you know, undeveloped dirt for undeveloped dirt, if one is zone residential and one zone commercial, you may not be able to execute that 1031 uh, because the IRS is not going to view those as like kind. Well, uh, last question, and I, I know we want to not take too much of your time. We're getting into that busy season of the year, so I definitely want to honor and respect your time. But as investors or or, or people that can considering investing, by the time this actually rolls out, it'll be the beginning of February. And so we're looking at 2022 tax year and and maybe they didn't do what they were supposed to in planning for 2022. Maybe they were on it and they had a CPA that they were involved in. But if they're listening to this at the beginning of February, what would be your recommendations on uh, how they should think about their tax strategy and make the best decisions for investing as it comes to taxes overall how what would what steps would you in, advise someone to take that's hearing this in february and saying oh no i need to start out what do i need to do today now would be a really great time to uh to understand what all investments you're in uh and if you're at that stage and all right, all right so i think those are going to take two different paths if you have a cpa uh, I would reach out to them right away, uh, expecting that sometime around mid-February, they're going to stop taking calls and they're going to take a little bit longer to answer emails. 
Uh, and so if you're looking for a really deep dive, there's a very narrow window or, you know, be willing to accept that, hey, I missed the window, you know, to, to talk about it right now, but I want to get on their radar for, you know, end of May, you know, early June. And, you know, that would be the time to really have a, you know, a solid sit down, let's talk about it, lay it all on the table and, you know, make a decision. If you don't have an advisor, if you don't have somebody you're working with, now is still a good time to try to find one. Uh, but I, I'll just tell you, it's going to be hard to nail anyone down before June. I, I absolutely love having conversations with my, uh, with my clients uh, throughout the year. And I think the best opportunities are, you know, mid-year, late fall, you know, early winter, you know, so that, you know, span of time, June and July is, tends to be when, you know, we are at our lowest point um, in the summer. And then again, uh, November, December, there's some great times when, you know, if you really need a long or detailed discussion with a CPA, those are the times to try to get on the calendar. Again, going as you as you're looking at investing in uh, larger things like real estate, it's important to have that. Uh, I've heard it called a three legged stool, right? Uh, you have a CPA, have a person that you trust for legal advice, the legal counsel, and then a a person that you trust for investing, and and Absolutely. like getting those three people to start working together as you're starting to build those transactions. It may seem a little premature. You may think, oh, my tax situation is not that complicated, but you want to start building those relationships. Um, And that way they understand what your goals are. They understand what you're trying to achieve specifically, and they can start help uh, giving you advice in that area. Now it's not, may not be something that you're going to them every month. It may just be once a year that you're having a conversation with them and you put a plan together that as they get to know you, it helps throughout uh, the year as you start to change strategies. But uh, Blankenship is a great option. You can reach out to them and uh, see what they have available or look for people specifically in your area um, like Scott that have some um, that have expertise that can help you as you're starting on this investing real estate uh, journey. So, Scott, I really appreciate you taking some time today to chat with us, and uh, hopefully, uh, we can get together soon. As maybe we get into June and July, and we talk about some shifts and strategies that have happened. But uh, thank you so much, man, for your time and uh, dedication, and and giving our investors some information that hopefully will help them as they go on this uh, journey. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I I love talking about these things. I love working, you know, with folks that really especially want to understand their situation and dig deeper. Um, You know, as I've done this long enough, you know, transactional relationships are okay, but I really love working with folks that they want to know and understand what it is they're getting into. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Scott. Uh, We will talk to you later. Hope you guys have a great day and, uh, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for joining us today for the Legacy Investment Team podcast. If there are subjects you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, please send us an email at podcast at legacyinvestmentteam.com and check out our website at legacyinvestmentteam.com. We hope you'll join us again in the future.